Okay, Miss Kathy, what do you think your spiritual gifts are? I like being around people, talking, fellowship, greeting. I also like um, doing statistics. I enjoy being in the kitchen. I enjoy working with children. Um, I'm kind of a detailed person. I, I, uh, I do a little bit of organizing, um, planning. I love to be around people. Uh, Jane, so how are you serving here at First Baptist Church? I mow the grass. I work in the audiovisual department. And for many, many years, I have worked as the treasurer of the church. Well, I make coffee. I, I've turned into a coffee barista. Um, welcome our guests and, and our church members every morning. I have been in the kitchen committee. I keep numbers for you on how many people work per month give one hour of their time to First Baptist Church. I crunch numbers all the time. I also do pray and go. It is wonderful. We, our hearts are touched every single time. Um, I help out in the kitchen and I do pray and go. I am a member of TUB, our worship team, and I'm also our online greeter. Well, I, uh, I run the, uh, the soundboard for the uh, TUB band. Pray and go. I'm serving in the tub band. That is an awesome place to serve. I love it. Absolutely love it. I play the organ. Uh, children's church. Pretty much do whatever I'm asked to do. Deacon first and uh, a connect teacher. Uh, I help back in the uh, audiovisual booth. Do whatever I can do whenever I can do it. First I just start off doing something in my own comfort zone. Something simple. Just you know, um, helping with the go pray and go and then then I stepped it up and I've been teaching for the connect group and it's been been a journey I love helping out here at the church whatever I can do right now I'm currently the pianist I also serve on the praise team and tub uh, I work with the youth group on Sunday nights and also I help with vacation Bible school well I can't do a whole lot because of my eyes but I pray what do you get out of serving here at CFBC? Friendships. I've developed friendships. It's lots of fun. The people are fantastic. Meeting new people, greeting people, working. I, it just brings me joy. This group of people in this church have become my best friends. Satisfaction of helping others or making them happy when they eat good food. Being so thankful that he's letting me do this for him. The longer you serve, the more you do, the more you mature and become like Christ. Well, I think there's a, a sense that you're doing what, what God asked you to do. And what do you get out of serving in that ministry? Uh, there's a sense of, I guess you could say it's a sense of pride or a sense of accomplishment. I just feel like I feel God's presence more. Pleasing God. How long have you served in the ministry that you're serving in now? Uh, we're almost at two years. Two, three years, I'd say. I think it's been maybe 20, 25, 30 years ago for three weeks. Three weeks? 44 years. Wow. The last year, I know. Probably since uh, the early 90s, I guess, maybe a year. You know, part of the, the thing about being a pastor, a shepherd, is to, 
to teach the flock how to be the flock. And that's what the ministry fair was all about. I think sometimes God tells us to do things and like we kind of run from him because we don't want to do it. Uh, we make excuses and things like that. It reminded me of a story. There was this dude out in Oregon. He had three arrest warrants out against him. And like one of them was for stealing cars, man. And he's working on this logging site, Shay, and he's out in the woods. Uh, he's with this, this uh, logging outfit. And local law enforcement come up to arrest this old boy, okay? So he gets into the nearest, closest company vehicle, puts the hammer down. Unfortunately, it is an excavator. Their top speed is about four to six miles an hour. Uh, but uh, a slow one will go one mile an hour. But anyway, they, they chase this guy down for about a mile and a half. And uh, they come up and they say, okay, turn off the engine, slow down, get out of the excavator. Good and slow. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. The choice is up to you. Y'all, sometimes I feel like, uh, and you know, can you imagine getting off that excavator and there's about eight, eight county sheriffs out there and you ain't got nowhere to go. You can't hide, okay? They're there. Uh, you can't outrun them because I'm, you're running four miles an hour. Uh, and I think, you know what? Sometimes I'm like that with God. God wants me to do something, say something, minister, serve. And it's like, eh, got to catch me first. <laughs> so I head off, you know, as quick as I can, about one mile an hour. And God's saying, dude, why are you running from me? I know exactly where you're at. And even if you stopped and got off, there's nowhere to hide. And I think that that's what the kind of the season that we're in right now. I've been encouraged. My wife said, are you going to preach this anymore this year? And I said, well, if you're sick of it, then the crowd's just now getting it. Uh, that's the way it is. It's about service. And y'all, today, I, I want to I I help you get off the excavator. I want you to make it. Man, this is where the rubber hits the road today. Uh, Psalm 139, verse 5 through 7, really lets me know that I can't outrun God when He wants me to do something. It says, dude, you've got me hemmed in uh, behind me and before me. You lay your hand around me. Basically what the psalmist is saying, I can't run from you. Uh, I can't outrun you. I can't hide from you. You've got me everywhere. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And the thing is, you can't. If God wants you to do something, you're not going to be happy until you do it. You're not going to be content until you do it. And if you try to please your, if you try to make your life happy by trying to please anybody but God, I mean, you're going to mess it up. I mean, because the truth is, the, the most important person for you and I to please in our life um, is God. Matthew 25, verse 40. Uh, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That's kind of the whole idea of, of service. Whatever you, and, and this is a beautiful thought. Basically, what we're seeing in Scripture is the way that we serve God oftentimes looks like us serving each other. The way we serve God oftentimes looks like how we can make somebody else's life better or somebody else's life easier or somebody else's life more enjoyable. And when you do that, I think scriptural service means you're doing it because you don't want anything in return. You, they're, not paying you, they're not paying you. They're not writing your paycheck. You're serving and you're ministering because, not, uh, because you love God. And because you love God, that service flows out of that love for Him. Uh, love is the best motivator, by the way, for service. Love is the best motivator for service. Uh, I don't know if you know this. don't know if you care. Probably don't. Uh, but Miss Pam and I were raising a grand dog right now. It's been a very, very difficult time at our house. Uh, but this dog is a, um, it, it's a special breed. Stupid. Uh, <laughs> Willie. 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 
now, the dogs that Pam and I have raised have been little bitty dogs, okay? Foo-foo dogs, pound toy poodles. We'll be some type of uh, a four or five pound conglomerate of, of Heinz 57 muddiness or something like that. Uh, but, but I'll tell you whose dog it is, it's Lake's. Lake is in the police academy, and he made a brilliant, it's a genius move. He bought a dog before he went to the academy, which is, you know, <laughs> 16 weeks. Would you guys watch it for me while I'm away? I can promise you, if anybody else would have asked me in this room if I would watch their dog for 18, 16 weeks, I'm going to tell you what my answer is. No. You know what, I told, you know what we told Lake? Of course. Love. Love is the greatest motivator for service. Love is, love is what makes us do things we don't want to do. Love makes us do things that we're not going to get paid for. Love makes us do things that there's no way that they can ever repay. We just love them, so we do it. Um, I'm going to drop this on you. Uh, if you're complaining about doing something, I can probably guarantee you you're not doing it out of love. I'm not saying you have to be happy to do it, but I'm saying if you're complaining, if you're complaining to the person you're doing it for, they would probably just assume you not do it. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple things. I'm probably not going to preach as long as I did last night uh, because, I, number one, I didn't think it was that good. Number two, I thought it was repetitive, and I don't want to do that today. So let me, get, let me extrapolate some things from Scripture about service because I, I think service is a big part of who we are as, a Christ, as, as, who we are as Christians. Uh, number one, service is one of the purposes that we're created for. Serving or, I mean, you know what, uh, serving sounds weird. I'm going, to, I'm going to substitute. I'm going to strike the word serving and probably use the word volunteer. Volunteering. Is one of your purposes. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 10. This is a crazy verse. So we always have courage, man. We know that while we live in this body, we're away from the Lord. It's while we're alive, we want to be in heaven. While we're alive, we want to be uh, with you in glory. We live by what we believe, not by what we see. We live by faith and not by sight. So I say that we have courage. We really want to be away from this body and be at home with the Lord in heaven. Our only goal is to please God, whether we're alive or whether we're alive in heaven our only goal is to make sure you're happy God our only goal is to bring a smile to your face because why do we want to make him happy man verse 10 is your money shot because we all have to stand before the judgment seat of God and we will be paid back good or bad small or little for the things that we did in the body okay Y'all are going to stand before God, but it's not for your salvation you stand before God right now as a sinner and you can be saved today you don't have to worry about uh, whether you're, you may or may not be going to heaven. You're saved by God's grace. Nothing that you did. Nothing that you've done. Nothing that you'll ever do. You're saved by grace. The Bible says, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and I'm going to read it out of the message translation, and then I'm going to quote the King Jimmy because the King Jimmy is what you'll be familiar with. Saving is all his idea, and it's all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's job from finish to start. The, that is a, a, a paraphrase of, for you are saved by grace, not of works, least any man should boast. For salvation is, is given by Christ, it's in Him. Church, your salvation is not based upon you being good or bad. It's based upon Him being good and Him dying for your sin. And you believe that He did that and you repent from your sin. When you and I stand before God now as Christians, as believers, people who are in love with the one true God... When you get to heaven, you will receive reward. You'll get some type of reward that you're going to have for, uh, for, forever, for eternity. You're going to be judged on how you served here, how, what you did for the kingdom of God here. Now, we serve because we're saved. We don't, we don't serve so we can get saved. 
We do that stuff because we're already in love with God. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20 through 25. So then there are many parts by one body. All of us in here, we're part of one body, the church. The eye can't say to the hand, dude, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the foot, hey, man, I don't need you. No, those parts of the body may may seem weaker or really necessary. Go down to verse 24. The more respectable parts of the body need no special care. Here's the, big, here, here's the big shot. But God put the body together and gave more honor to the parts that need it so our body would not be divided. He made this church to be unified. How does that happen? God wanted all of those different parts to care for, care the same for who? Y'all, we got to take care of each other. Have one another six. If you're down, let me help you up. If I'm down, you help me up. If you mess up, own it and go on. Church, God wants us to take care of the body, take care of each other. And sometimes that means you do things and, and you're not benefited in the least. Man, nothing, you don't get anything out of it. You just serve because you love. Jesus told his disciples in Mark 8, 35, Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. Man, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give away. And the Word has said that we are created to do these wonderful works, to share Acts 17, 25. The God, uh, this God is the one who gives life. He gives breath and everything else to people. Everything you have, He gives to you. He does, not, he does not need any help from them, and He has everything He needs. Church, does God need you and me? No. He had nothing that our hands have prepared. But what He says is, I want you to do this because you love me. I want you to serve in the church because you love me. Ephesians 2.10, God made us what we are in Christ Jesus. Here it is. God made us to do one thing. What is it? God made us to do good work. Man, if you're wondering what your purpose is in life, if you're wondering what your, your direction is or why you were created, there's your sign. You were created to do good works. And until we learn how to serve, you're not really going to grow spiritually. You're, you're just going to exist. Uh, until you learn to serve. Church, we serve because we're saved. We're served because we love God. We serve because we're a part of the body of Christ. When you get saved, you become a part of this beautiful family of God. And God didn't call you into the house to be lazy. He called you into the house to be a servant. Look what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 10. So then there are many parts going down. Verse 24. The more respectable parts of the body. But God put that body together. So our body would not be divided. God wanted the different parts to serve each other. Church, God wants us to take care of this body, take care of each other, requires us to do something that won't always benefit us. Number two, serving God makes you look more like Jesus. Church, say, look more like Jesus. I want to look more like Jesus. And I think when we're serving, man, we look more like Him than we ever have. Matthew 20, verse 28. Even so, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. Man, our church motto is to love God, love people, try to live like Jesus. If I'm going to try to live like Jesus, the simplest thing for me, the easiest thing for me to understand is then serve. That's it, man. In fact, if you don't serve, I, think, I don't think you grow in Christ. I mean, if all you do is consume and take, I don't think you grow in Christ because I think it's about putting back. At the, Lord's, at the Last Supper, do you remember that time? Uh, do you remember the story when Jesus took the, the towel and the bucket of water and he started washing the disciples' feet? Disciples' feet. That's not the right word. Disciple. Is that the right word? Foots? Foots. He starts washing the disciples' foots. God, I'm glad Schaefer's not up here. Uh, who is? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tina's here. I've got teachers and superintendents. Send me an email. I'll work on it. Uh, 
What was I saying, Pammy? Hmm? Oh, yeah, he was washing his feet. And here's the thing, man. There was this legend. That, there wasn't a legend. It was just custom. Um, when you came to a feast at somebody's house, I mean, you didn't show up dirty and stinky and smelly. You took a shower or bathed, and you came with clean clothes. So when you got there, the only thing that was dirty would have been your hooves uh, because you picked up, you know, the dirt and, and camel dung and things like that on your way there. So when you got there, somebody, a servant typically or the owner of the house, they would go out and they would wash your feet. And if you told the owner of the house or the host of the meal, uh, no, thank you, it was a sign of pride. It's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm above that. So willingly letting your feet be washed was a big deal. But then the person doing it, well, that's a servant. Well, they show up at this house to do this Passover meal, man. They got everything prepared. And nobody's, nobody's washed in feet. And Jesus, Jesus is sitting there with all of his homies, uh, Judas included, and nobody picks up a towel. Nobody, the meal started. Nobody's doing it. So Jesus does a physical lesson with a spiritual application. He goes and he takes that and he washes all the feet. And this is the thing that freaked me out. Uh, do you remember what Judas did? Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, kissed him on the cheek in the Garden of Gethsemane, sent him on his way to Calvary. Do you know that Jesus actually washed Judas's feet? And Jesus knew what Judas had done. I don't know about you, but I probably wouldn't have washed that joker's feet. That tells you something about how Jesus serves. Well, I don't like him. Okay. Jesus didn't ask you to like him. He asked you to love him. Didn't ask you to like him. Asked you to love him. Church. Usually the washing of feet would have been done by the person who, who owns the house before the feast. But church, if you see a job that needs to be done, you might be the person who takes the towel in the water and get to work. It might be you. Jesus made himself nothing. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 11, that, that he emptied himself. He became a servant, dying a death, even the death on the cross. He didn't see anything with God as something to be, to be sought after. Instead, he emptied himself. Church, that's who Jesus is. He's the God of the universe, but yet he emptied himself and became the servant of everybody. Man, if we want to look like Jesus, baby, you better learn to pick up a towel and a bucket of water. All right. Uh, serving is the highest use of your time. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Church, say always. I know you haven't been to seminary, but you know what always means? Always, okay? You don't need that as seminary education. Always means always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. If you want to make an impact with your life, a legacy for your witness, you have to make time to serve God, and oftentimes that looks like serving others. Uh, your service to the Lord is never wasted. Uh, you might have shown up this morning from 9 to 9.30, and the only thing we did was sit out there on the parking lot and drink coffee and enjoy one another's company, but that wasn't wasted. Y'all miss, I, I think that we've had about 15, new, 15 to 20 new volunteers today to help out with the ministry, and God's not done with that. I, I like what Psalm 92, verse 12 through 15 says. But good people will grow like palm trees. They don't have any choice. They will be tall like the cedars of Lebanon, like trees planted in the temple of the Lord. They will grow strong in the courtyards of our God. Y'all, they didn't plant just any old tree in the, in the uh, temple court where the, uh, where the temple was. They planted trees that would be there for generations and generations and generations. All oh, this is cool. It's not my notes. If you go to Israel today uh, and you go to the Mount of Olives the, uh, by the Garden of Gethsemane, there are, there are dozens of olive trees that have been there for thousands of years. Some of them still produce. And what happened was this. When the Romans came in to sack Jerusalem in 70 A.D., they took a scorched earth, a scorched earth 
scorched earth approach to this place, and they cut all the olive trees down, and they, uh, they, they, they cut everything down, salted the ground. But what they didn't do is they didn't take the roots up. And the roots of those trees that they cut down in the Garden of Gethsemane, they are from, those ti- they are from the time of Jesus because the thing is the, those trees were old when, when Jesus got there and those roots went down. And even though the Romans tried to cut them down, there was still life below that came up. Church, the devil may have tried to kick you down, cut you down, take away your life, steal your reputation, take away your livelihood. But in Christ, when your roots are deep, the enemy may be able to cut you down there, but you're not done. You're not finished. Your game's not over. And so, as you grow in who you are into the likeness of Christ as a tree planted at the church, when they are old, they will still produce. When you've been here 60, 40 years, you'll still produce. You won't throw in the towel when the last, uh, until the last bell goes off. You'll keep running until the journey is over. Uh, I'm not a farmer, but I asked Brother Ray with this, and he says, yeah, it's basically good enough. Uh, So this is it. This is my farming, my one farming illustration. When you plant a a crop, you put it in there, and that that crop, that plant, as it grows, it it takes nutrients out of the soil, and it it begins to flourish, and it begins to to make a a, a fruit, a a product. But as that takes uh, uh, nutrients out of the soil, it will still wind up putting nutrients back into the soil for the seeds that will come behind it. It charges the ground as it's growing. Not only does it take, but it also gives. Church, what are you leaving behind for the people who are going to come behind you? What are you, what are you sowing into the soil that, that's First Baptist Church? In the last 12 months at CFBC, how have you been giving of your time or your talent or your treasure? Uh, and I'll be honest with you, coming to a service is not the same thing as giving service. I've said that and I've said that and I've said it, but like I've told Miss Pam today, um, I've got to say it enough for you to get sick of it before you get it. And that's not just this church, it's everywhere, it's me included. In the last 12 months of CFBC, how many, uh, 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 what are you doing? Uh, as we look back in those, there's 12 months, 52 weeks, 365 days, 8,170 hours. There are 525,600 minutes. There are over 31 million seconds in the last 12 months. We didn't do anything to deserve that gift of time. Uh, Tristan in the back's not been given one second of time more than Mike Fogerson. Pam Fogerson's not been given one more second of time than, than, uh, than Sam Hall. We all have that. Whether you're rich, poor, smart, uh, dumb, black, white, fat, thin, don't matter. We all have 24 hours in the day. That's a gift to us. He gives it to sinner and saint alike. Man, that's who we are. Now, the question is, what do you do with that time that God's given you? What do you do with that gift? In fact, we just read a second ago that we're to make the most, uh, the most of our time. Um, the gift of time is not yours alone. God's given you time to serve others and to serve Him. Another important thing is this. You can't stop time. You can't slow it down. Man, time marches on. It's usually across our face. You can't do it. You can't earn it back. You, it, time is what it is. We can't get back this Sunday morning ever. We never will. Church, we may look ahead a year. In fact, what we've done is we've asked people to commit to six months. A commitment to some ministry in this church. But here's the crazy thing. We may not be alive in six months. 
We could die or the Lord could come back before then. I don't know, but this is the thing. It's not about counting the days that you have. It's what the, are you making the days you have count? Are you doing something with the time that God has given you? Because we're all given the same amount. Therefore, be careful how you walk. This is Ephesians 5. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as, I, not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most, I ain't making none of this up. Making the most of your what? What do you? Uh, this is weird. Uh, in the next six months, there are four thousand three hundred and eighty hours in those six months. Four hundred, four thousand three hundred and eighty hours. This is our challenge to you. We're asking you to give six of those hours to the kingdom of God by serving at Chester First Baptist Church. Six hours out of four thousand three hundred and eighty. And, and, and I love you, and I love you, and I want you to know that I'm, a, I'm the biggest sinner in the room. I'm glad you're here, and I don't want you to get mad at me because you hear this message and you think, well, preacher, if, if, if me being at worship service isn't good enough for you, I'll go to another church. And don't think that that's not been said. But this is what I want you to know. I love you, and I'm just trying to help you serve in the kingdom of God. That's all I'm trying to do. And I don't want you to get mad at me and leave and, well, he doesn't appreciate me being here. Yes, I do appreciate you being here. I do with all my heart. And I also appreciate the people who serve. Because here's the thing, if the people here wouldn't serve, nothing would get done. The greatest leaders are those who serve the most. I'm going to tell you what unintended consequences. You all were out there today with the ministry fair. You're trying to get people to help you with your ministry, whether it's a coffee ministry, elevator ministry, connect, group, celebrate, recovery. You're trying to get more people to help. This is what I saw happen out there. And if I'm lying, God strike me down. The people who were already involved in ministry, you know what they were doing? They're, Tim, they were going around to other booths to get more involved. What's up with that? Because workers work. Servers serve. Christians will get in there and, 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 and they'll work because they know that it needs to get done and that they know they've been called and they know that they've been called to be a servant to others. They know that the kingdom of God measures the secret of greatness in a different way than the world does. Matthew 20, verse 26. If you want to be great, if you want to be the leader in the church, if you want to be a leader in the world, if you want to be a leader in your family, you want to be a leader in your career, you want to be a leader at school, you want to be a leader no matter where you're at, here is the secret. The Bible says this, you want to be great, you want to be great, you must be the? Go pick up the towel and the bucket of water and get your head next to the feet. Preacher, I don't like this message. Well, I don't either. Don't either. Y'all, we've been given this gift of time to serve the kingdom of God. And oftentimes that looks like serving our, our, our community. Romans 15.1, those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what's most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Folks, the, the biggest, the greatest leaders in this church are, are those who work the most. You wonder, you wonder why people get into the, the position of leadership that they are in. This is the, here's the truth. 
All right, I'm just pulling the skin back for you and letting you see it all. The, pe- the people who are in leadership at this church and not just your church, but any other church, they're the people who put in the hours and serve. Can I ask you a question? Who would you want leading in your church? Somebody who comes there four hours a week or somebody who's there constantly involved in ministry? It's in rocket science. They're in love with the ministry, they're in love with the church, but more importantly, they're in love with God, and so they serve. And those are the people that you'll have running things. Those are the people that you'll put in leadership because you judge them by their fruit. Church, um, I, I'm, I'm done. Nope. Yeah, of course you can. Right on. Well, and if all you want to do is serve, here's the thing. The more you serve, the more you'll serve. The busier you are, the more busy you'll get for the kingdom of God. Y'all, I want to just boil it down for you. I want to go. What's one way you're serving right now in this church? What's one way you're serving? For some of you, you may not be able to say anything other than coming to church or coming to a connect group. And we don't count those as service hours. What are you doing? What are you doing to help the ministry? Number two, what motivates you to, if you're serving, what motivates you to serve? What, why are you doing it? Is, is it because shame? Is it because you feel like you owe God something? Y'all, when you serve, it's this simple. Don't serve because you like me or your church. You serve because you love God. That's it. That's the only reason you serve is because you love the Lord. Number three, how does it make you feel when you how does it make you feel when somebody serves you or blesses you or makes your life better or makes your life easier? I don't know about you, but it's kind of sweet. You have the opportunity to make people's lives in this church better, people's lives in this community better, and it's pretty sweet. Last thing I want to ask you is when you help somebody, you're actually, that's in the question, when you're, help, when you're helping somebody, you're actually helping Jesus. Jesus said, well, whatever you do unto the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do unto me. When you help somebody, you're actually doing it for Jesus. I don't know about you, but man, that makes me want to do things even more better. I want to do things well. Because if I do it to you and it's like I'm doing it to Jesus, then I'm going to do a pretty good job at it. I'm going to go that extra mile. All right, y'all. I'm at the end. I probably won't preach another message like this for a very long time. I feel like today we've kind of got the ball across the football line, about the, uh, got, the, got the football across the goal line. But the question is this, what you going to do with it? Are you going to volunteer? Are you going to step up? Uh, last story, and I'm done. I, I, we don't do football at the house. My, 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 boy, my boy in seminary does. We don't. We do watch one stupid game a year. Anybody want to guess what that stupid game is? Super Bowl. Watched it for years. Don't care who plays. I'll root for the people with the coolest looking uniforms. All right? That's the way we roll. Love the food. Uh, Yeah, we get together for the food and the stupid commercials. And that's the only game I watch. I mean, I'll watch every cotton picking bit of it. Every bit of it I watch. Don't know. I don't even know the rules, man. Okay? I don't know. Uh, 
But one year I was, I, was, I, was, I was watching, I was thinking, man, this is three and a half hours, but there's a lot of commercials, there's a concert going on out here in the carnival atmosphere. And so one year I thought, well, let me, let me see how much time they're actually playing the stupid game. From the, from the snap until the referees uh, blow, the, the, blow the whistle, they only literally played about 15 minutes of football. That was it. Now, I know what the clock said, but in game play, it was 15 minutes. And at the end of that 15 minutes, you found out who the Super Bowl champions were. And what made the difference in, in who got the championship and who was victorious was what happened in that 15 minutes. It wasn't all the other, it, was, it wasn't the commercials, it wasn't the, it wasn't, uh, the Who playing it. By the way, we saw the Who Friday night in St. Louis. Sweet. It wasn't watching the Who during a, 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 a halftime show. You know what was really made the difference is what happened during that stupid 15 minutes. It wasn't all the other stuff, but what did you do in the 15 minutes? Did you run the ball? Did you pass the ball? Did you tackle? Did you block? Did you do all the things you were supposed to do? Because that's what determines who gets the ring. Okay, and put your tables in the upright position because we're going to land it. And you, you, might, you might live 80 years. You might live 59 years. You might live 20 years. I buried, I buried them all in between. But when we stand before God, you look at your whole life, but I need you to understand something. What you're going to be rewarded on and what you're going to be, uh, what the eternal reward will be uh, based upon is what you did when you served God. What you did when you served God. The time you spent in the field serving God. And I've asked you a really hard question today. What are you doing at this church? What are you serving? How are you serving at this church? Now the devil will tell you, oh, it don't have to be done at church. But you know what? The word of God said today, God has brought us together as a body. And the members of the body serve each other. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Y'all, I don't know what God has in store for us today or what God has in store for you today. But I got a feeling that God wants to call some of you and He's calling and He's challenging some of you to volunteer. He's calling some of you to step up. Now every single one of you came in, most of you came in that front door and you were, you were given a card or you were, you were exposed to the ministries of this church. You've been thinking, man, should I, do, should, should, I, should I get on board? Should I do something? The answer is yes. If this is where God has planted you, then sow back into the soil. If this is where God has planted you, then sow back into the soil. If you would, I want to ask you to stand to your feet with every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, the invitation is just kind of real clear. And it's where we've been going for the last several weeks. I'm asking you to make a commitment this morning. Today, would, would you make a commitment to serve in one of those ministries that you saw out there? Watchmen, pray and go. Celebrate recovery. Celebrate recovery is a ministry that's just going to get off the ground in January here. But church, there's a place for you. There is... There is a place for you to serve at this church.
You're just going to have to find it. And God will take you to that spot. Lord God, I pray that right now, just in the name of Jesus, as these folks are standing before you, Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to their hearts and, Father, convict them and move them. That, Lord God, today there will be decisions made to serve the kingdom of God through this local church. Father, they have picked a place. You have planted them in the soil. This is where they are, at least for the time being. This is where they're at. Father, I pray that you would bless them enough to sow back into the soil. Let them know the blessing of what it means to sow back into where they're planted. Now, church, if you would, and I just want to talk specifically to the people who, are, who have not been involved in one of these ministries, but today you said, you know what? Maybe you told Kathy or maybe you told somebody else in the ministry teams that I, I, I'm wanting to know about that or I want to get on board with that. I know that some of you have. But today, if, if you've already made that step of faith and you've said, yeah, I'm going to commit to six months to a ministry, I'm going to commit to six months. You're not married to it. It's six months. At the end of that six months, you can do it again, or maybe you want to try something else, but six months. If you've made a decision today, and you've already made that decision before you came in here, would you just lift your hand up in the air? Wow. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for those hands. I want to thank you for those decisions, and more importantly, I want to thank you for the bright future we have in you. God, because of who you are and because of what you've made us to be, we know that we are living and we are walking free. We know that we are, we are living our best life we can because we're living our life for you. So, Lord, just in the name of Jesus, I pray blessing over you. Thank you for sending workers, Father, and we still continue to pray for workers. The fields are ripe unto harvest. Send the laborers. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And the church said... Amen. Guys, I, I bless you. I hope you have a great weekend at the fall, uh, at the Popeye Fall Festival. Um, people who are going to be passing out candy, please be at the high school at 115. And we will drop you off here when you're done. But we'll, if you need to get a ride somewhere, we'll make sure you get back where you, yeah, we'll give you a ride back to where you need to be. Maybe a side-by-side -side ride, but we'll get you back there where you need to be. Um, that's all I have. I'm not going to do anything else. You guys have any other announcements? Mom, do no, no youth tonight. That's it. No connect group this week. We got two weeks off. Y'all, if you've signed something, if, if you volunteered today, I want you to know I love you and I'm blessed to be your pastor. And if you haven't signed up today, I want you to know this. I love you and I'm blessed to be your pastor. I love you no matter what. And God will love you no matter what. I'm trying to help you grow. That's it. Heavenly Father, pray blessing over them. Bless them. Keep them. Let your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. And I ask this in the precious name of our Savior Jesus. And amen. God bless you. Thank you, church.